Yeah, the cozy cone. It's newly refurbished. <laughs> yeah, it's like a clever little twist of motels made out of caution cones, which, of course, cars usually try to avoid. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is a jam-packed episode about the single-A Inland Empire 66ers who play in San Bernardino, California. I'll be speaking later on in this episode with Jason Klein of the design firm Brandios. I will be speaking with Baseball Palooza Road Trip co-founder Jeremy Soule, who lives at the terminus of Route 66 in Santa Monica, California. We'll have a cameo from Patrick Newt of BaseballMapper.com talking about all the teams you can find on Route 66. And of course, Dan Simon of Studio Simon will be here with another Studio Simon Stumper. Right now, I'm very happy to be joined by Joe Hudson, who is the longtime general manager of the 66ers. Joe and I first spoke way back in 2014 for an article that I wrote for sportslogos.net about the logo and the nickname. At that time, the team had just changed to the branding that they're currently using, designed by Brandios. Joe Hudson, how are you doing? It's good to see you again. That's great. I'm doing well. Good to see you too, Paul. I can't believe it's been almost a decade since we first talked about this this brand. It's uh, you know it, it was it was brand new. It was this this fresh new thing out of Brandios, and and uh, here it is now. It seems like one of the 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 well established brands in minor league baseball right now is your your swinging mechanic, and the uh, the the Route sixty six based theme or the Route sixty six based brand that you have. I'll just ask you why is a team in San Bernardino, California called the Inland Empire 66ers. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you know anything about the Route 66 uh, legacy and the heritage of it, San Bernardino is one of the main premier stops. Uh, you know, so much of the history in uh, in the San Bernardino area has Route 66 kind of ingrained in it. And for years, I mean, uh, probably a couple of decades, you know, they when then the Route 66 stops were going on, there was still a huge celebration here in downtown San Bernardino, you know, half a million people would come in over the weekend and just, you know, look at those old cars and and the nostalgia of uh, what Route 66 was all about. And so, I mean, Route 66 goes through eight states. Uh, obviously, California is, depending on how you think of it, where it either begins or ends. It, I think of it ending in, in Santa Monica, right there on the Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. But it goes through Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and then obviously California. What is it about San Bernardino that is so specific to Route 66? Because I think of all those other places, and I don't necessarily go, oh, yeah, Route 66. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, it, it goes beyond just the um, the fact that the, you know downtown San Bernardino had this major rendezvous for, for a number of decades until, you know, 08 when the, the financial collapse kind of affected city budgets. But um, I think just the idea of muscle cars, the idea of um, that, you know, old American feeling with, you know, uh, uh, blue collar, right? Like that's kind of the idea that you you feel out of Route 66. And that's really a lot of what the Inland Empire was built off of was, you know, blue collar workers. You know, we're not, you're obviously going to have a different uh, demographic, a different clientele here than you're going to have in Santa Monica, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, I know, I know it starts in Santa Monica, but I'm not sure everybody looks at Santa Monica like, oh, hey, that really, that screams Route 66. 
Um, And I think that just comes back to, you know, what this community is about. It's, you know, it's a, it's a strong uh, blue collar community that, uh, you know, I think still really, I guess they encompass what, what that old route 66 vibe was all about. You were with the team in 2001 or initially you're the first, your first stint with the team was in 2001 as a part-timer in high school. They were the San Bernardino, San Bernardino stampede. Uh, They switched in 2003 to become the the 66ers and then they had a a logo that was essentially like a highway sign and it just said you know and it said 66ers on it that obviously i mean in a in an era when you had chihuahuas and flying squirrels and you know all these sort of wacky brandiose nicknames that were sort of coming up around this time you guys had a highway sign yeah that was, I mean, it tied into the to the place, of course, but then the decision to switch to a much more expansive brand that Brandios created. You were with the team when that happened. What was the thinking in, in going with this much more expansive brand? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, listen, I, I've always thought that the, the 66ers as the name of the team made a ton of sense. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, everything about it makes a ton of sense for this market. Um, unfortunately, I just felt like when I was, you know, Back in 2012, 2013, when we were um, looking at our brand and and really what it felt like, um, it was pretty stagnant, you know. And I, you know, I'll tell you that there's a I still have a lot of old school 66ers fans that come around. They say, "Oh, we love that old sign," and I get it, you know, sure. I do. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to change, but the truth was, it, it didn't give us a ton of flexibility, right? Like there was there was nothing really. Um, that we can do in the era of video boards, um, in the era of, you know, digital graphics and things like that. And um, all it was, was a road sign. And it, funny enough, you know, a highway sign, uh, Route 66, I'm sorry, a route sign, Route 66 is black and white. Uh, our logo was was red and blue, which is yeah. like the interstate sign. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny how many times I got grief on that too. But uh, <laughs> I didn't even think but, of that. But regardless, you know, I, the brand changed why we wanted to change it. We still stuck with the name because we thought the name really did uh, make sense for this community, but we needed a, we needed a brand that really gave us uh, uh, a little bit more, a little bit more flexibility on how we, and how we utilize it in a new era of digital and graphics and, mm-hmm. um, and bringing a younger fan base into it, to be honest with you, trying to get kids involved with the mascot slick and a swing, a guy swinging a wrench and, um, just doing so many different things that we can do with our new brand versus the way it was back in the early 2000s. Did you say slick? Is that the character's name? The Is that that's, the mechanic? That's, that's the mechanic swinging, swinging the wrench. His name is slick. He's a, he's a, a new mascot for us as well. Uh, so, so now you have him in, when I was there, they only had Bernie, the mascot. We and have so- both now. Bernie's still, Bernie is still the stable that's going to be around forever. He's going to, he's going to yeah. far outlive I, I do, but, uh, yeah. but Slick is, yeah, it looks like that, that right-hand guy, or, you know, sometimes they kind of uh, give each other a little grief, but yeah, he's, he's a mascot here as well. So you, so you've got Slick and that's great. So I'm very glad that his name is Slick because he's swinging an oily wrench. It's not just a wrench. It's an oily wrench, right? Like, exactly. uh, and then you've got the you've got the the wrench itself, which is sort of a standalone. You've got this this engine uh, with oil flying out of that, you know, behind it. You've got IE with a wrench going through it, and sort of this stylized, you know, hood ornament kind of style. And then you've got sixty sixers also in sort of a hood ornament style. So there's a lot going on here. Is there a mark there that's like particularly popular with the uh, with the fans? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, surprisingly enough, uh, the the IE, uh, you know, the the simple IE with the wrench coming through it, that is that has been the brand that has really uh, taken off the most. And I think there's a lot of a, a lot of folks that. You know, just similar like, you know, you really celebrate the, the fact that you're from L.A. or, or you know, New York, or whatever it is, right? Like these these IE people here, the Inland Empire folks, they they, they celebrate that. And, uh, and that's taken off the most. When you switched from the San Bernardino Stampede to the Inland Empire 66ers, what was the what was the thinking behind switching from San Bernardino to Inland Empire? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think um, Inland Empire, we're a regional team, right? You know, obviously San Bernardino is our home. Um, but if you're aware of this market, you know, you can drive 10 minutes down the highway and go through four cities. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's how, that's how easy it is. And, uh, and so we wanted people to recognize that, listen, you know, if you're in Rialto, Colton, Loma Linda, Ukaipa, all these places that are within easily 10 minute drive, uh-huh. you know, we represent you too. We're, we're, uh-huh. we're, we're a team that is, you know. Uh, representing all of these small communities that are combined to make the Inland Empire. And uh, and so that's something that I think has resonated a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. People understand that. And uh, and it's, you know, one of those things where you want people to feel like that is their hometown team. And, you know, all these small communities um, put together encompass what Inland Empire is and what we stand for. And I think that it, it just makes a lot more sense. So Slick is swinging a, a oversized wrench. I had my buddy, Scott, he was a college baseball player. And I just, you know, back in, in 2014, when I wrote this article, I uh, had Scott analyze the swing here of, of Slick. I, I just want to sort of run this past you because you guys are a baseball franchise here. And Scott had some concerns. He said that the the mechanics hip rotation and his forearm rotation are good, but that was about it for the positives. He said the biggest concern was his head. He's looking in the direction of the shortstop. And uh, he said to see Adam Jones's head on any outside slider for reference. He's an Orioles fan. So, the, you know, 20, uh, circa 2014 Adam Jones reference. But he was concerned that the uh, the mechanics front foot should be flat on the ground and that he's off balance. He said an inside pitch would tie him up. And then finally, he said <laughs> the gritting teeth are a, a, a sign of overall tension and that the face muscles are, are not conducive to a, a loose, fast swing. So do you have any concerns here about Slick's actual baseball form? Is it, you know, is it okay for the a mascot not to have the best swing on the team? Listen, I'm assuming he's swung and missed in general because he's using a big wrench. But <laughs> That's a good point. Those, I think all of those are fantastic uh, 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 points that he should maybe Brandy Ocean consult him on the swing design on the next one. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot going on here that I, I might bring this up with Jason too because you know, another point that Scott made was that Slick has big bushy eyebrows that might interfere with his vision. And so maybe he's got to trim his eyebrows back a little bit too. Yeah, so. we work on that too, yeah. <laughs> and then he also said, so Scott Mealy will be glad to know that I'm, I'm running down all these points here, that uh, maybe maybe Slick should work out on, on leg day too. He, should, he shouldn't skip leg day quite so much because he seems to be all upper body strength. Well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm assuming as a mechanic, you're using different muscles as a mechanic than you are as, as a baseball player, you know? <laughs> uh, I did put you on the spot on that. I appreciate you being a good sport about that. But none of these swinging logos really have the best form in the world. So I think it's I think it's more about the artistic integrity of the logo than it is about the swing itself. I'm sure that's what they're going. I'm sure they're going for the, the face to be involved in it, you know, the whole <laughs> bit. But that's funny. The association of of route 66 with, you know, sort of sports cars, you know, the muscle cars, as you said, 
the idea of the mechanics. I I have an association with with the movie Cars. Does that come up a lot? I mean, I even think of like San Bernardino has the the Wigwam Hotel there that the 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 traffic cone hotel in the movie right. Cars was based on. Uh, does that connection come up at all when people, you know, with when you know new fans are learning about the team? I've never necessarily heard that. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure from a kid's perspective that might come up a little bit. But, you know, it's certainly not something I've heard. I think, you know, a lot of times, to be honest with you, when it, when we get the questions on it, we've got to kind of un- get them to understand when it's new fans what Route 66 was about and you know why we're mm-hmm. called the the 66ers. You know, if you're from out of town or if you're not from this area, and you might just start catching baseball you're like why are you guys the 66ers what does that what does that mean you know mm-hmm. um it's different when you're you know the quakes right like right california earthquakes get it right right <laughs> uh but yeah so you know i haven't had the cars uh uh tie too much uh i do want to ask you about one of your alternate brands that was going to happen in 2020 uh initially first was this this cherubs brand can you tell me what the story is behind the the Inland Empire uh, cherubs? Obviously, anytime that you're going to do a rebrand with Brandios, they kind of want to get an idea of uh, if you're open to an idea of, you know, what about changing the the name itself, right? Yeah. Um, and so one of the ideas that they put out there to us was a name called the Cherubs. Um, Baby Angels, right? We're an Angels affiliate and, and the, the tie is there clearly. Um you know, after considering that, talking about that, we kind of put that on the back burner and said, no, we're going to stick with 66ers. Uh, you know, a few years later, we decided to really uh, kind of revisit that just to have an alternate brand and alternate, you know, for a nice theme night. And uh, and so we brought back the the Cherubs concept that, that they originally brought to us. And it's a, it's a fun, unique brand and something that, you know, kind of, I think some people don't necessarily know what the Cherub is originally. A lot of times that they, they, encompass that they look at that logo and think of cupid you know what i mean and uh so there's a little bit of explanation there but you know it's a baby angel and and it's a fun logo we're you know consistently doing that once a year now for one week in a year we we go out there and play as the cherubs and um kind of re you know imagine the brand a little bit different every year with maybe a unique twist of the logo or different color scheme but uh that's certainly a fun one Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you one more because it's right before dinner here in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's uh, all, it's just about dinner time. And so I'm, I'm hungry right now. And one of your alternate brands is the California burritos. So this is the, the whole notion of a California burrito just sounds amazing to me. I don't know that I've ever had like an authentic California burrito. But before we talk about the brand, can you just explain what a California, what distinguishes a California burrito from other burritos out there in the world? Oh, well, if you haven't had a California burrito, you're missing out. It's really a Southern California thing. Uh, definitely very popular in San Diego area, but uh, California burrito is carne asada, uh, French fries, cheese, guacamole, sour cream, and salsa all in one beautiful burrito. Uh, and it is, it is a late night snack, uh, <laughs> from the heavens. It's amazing. Did, did you say French fries? I was sitting here drooling over yes. the logo. You said French that is, fries. That's, that is French fries. That is French fries popping out of that burrito. Yes. That, and that's like the main distinguishing factor there, right? Is the, uh, the yes. fact that it's got French yeah, fries in it. You're going to throw some fresh French fries, French fries in there with some guacamole, sour cream. Yes, absolutely. It's delicious. I have to say, like, some of the most brilliant ideas are the most simple ideas. The idea of putting French fries on a burrito 
it's brilliant. It's pure brilliance. And I'm not just saying that because I'm starving right now as I'm looking at this, but the this to me is is one of the one of the best you know, of the food based identities out there. And it's it's a really fun one. And uh, and I am I am remiss in not having had an actual California burrito in my in my lifetime here. So this is well, next time. Next time you come visit San Bernardino, I'll point you in the right direction for a solid California burrito. Absolutely. I will take you up on that for sure. Joe, this has been a ton of fun. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this late in the day. Where can people find you, Joe, and the team online and on social media? 66ers.com at 66ers Baseball. Um, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you know, we're, we're definitely engaged. And, you're, you know, we've got some great social media uh, participation over here and, and some folks running our social media team that just do an amazing job. I can't wait to get back out to a game in in San Bernardino because it's you know it is a, it's a great ballpark and it's a really fun baseball experience. Absolutely, sounds good. Appreciate your time today, Paul. All right, thanks, Joe. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right, everyone. I am very happy right now to be welcoming back to the program friend of baseball by design, friend of Paul Caputo, Jason Klein of Brandios. How are you? We Jason? did it. We're here. We did it. We're back. 2014 was a big a big year for you guys. I know you had a handful of brands go go up that year, not the least yeah. of which was the El Paso Chihuahuas, which I know was that was the steepest J curve. We've talked about the J curve a number of times. That was the yeah. steepest J curve you've said in the past. This one, the Inland Empire 66ers, they had a a highway sign. They had like a literal like Route right. 66 sign as their as their logo. And you guys, you know, you took that and you, you you went fully, full, lively, awesome, fun, you know, suite of like seven or eight alternate identities. Uh, and then yeah. a, a brand founded around a mechanic swinging a wrench like a baseball bat. Yeah. But what, what was the, I mean, obviously went from a pretty conservative brand to to one that had, you know, just a whole sort of narrative, a whole storyline with the, the auto parts and the hood ornament and the, the, you know, the, the wrench and the mechanic himself, what was the thinking in, in crafting this brand for Inland Empire? So the logo they had was, yeah, it was like the Route 66 sign uh, in red, white, and blue. And there's not, there wasn't like a lot you could do with it. Right. Um, it was sort of just like there, you know, that was the punchline. Right. So we were like, okay, like, how do we, like, where do we, how do we celebrate this? Like, how do we make this, um, you know, like um, both Inland Empire uh, kind of give it like a 909er vibe, um, but also, you know, celebrate Route 66. And so, um, yeah, it was like a lot of things that came together. I mean, the idea was Riverside, classic cars, uh, old time. So you have like the hood ornaments that we did with like the 66ers lettering. Um, then we had the, um, you know, the IE and the lettering, which was sort of machine based, but also had elements of um you know wing car wings on it um and then the mechanic and having um you know the the wrench and sort of celebrate sort of the blue collar thing the blue collar thing is really mm -hmm. uh a theme about about this brand so you know the character is like a blue collar mechanic literally like literally it has blue collar um you know it's like you know rolling up your sleeves like getting work done uh the the wrench it's got you know you know, oil dripping off of it. So it's really like, how do we make this feel blue collar meets Route 66 um, in a Riverside County kind of way? Well, and it's a pretty like like you mentioned the 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 previous logo 
really was like a street sign with like clip art baseballs on it, solid blue, solid red, the new color palette that, that you came up with, right? Like was this sort of muted lighter blue and yeah. then, you know, grays and blacks. And then the, you know, the, the orange is sort of a compliment there. So clearly pretty intentionally a departure, not just in terms of what you're representing, but like the color choices and the, just the overall aesthetic was so different from what the team had done previously for about a decade. It was about 10 years that they had that previous, yeah. the, the previous logo. Did you even consider the fact of the, the fact that it was a, a major departure from their previous brand or was it more just like, let's just forget the past brand yeah. entirely and just see what's appropriate to this region? Yeah, we just forgot the entire brand. And I think, you know, like, um, and I don't want to stereotype Riverside, but it's like, you know, like the, the influences were like, like raised trucks and like monster energy drink. And like, there's also sort of like, um, I mean, the intermodal, uh, intermodal, um, you know, shipping, like a lot of the stuff that comes into United States from overseas, like, you know, comes through Riverside. There's like a lot of rail yards. So there's like a very like blue collar, industrial California sort of like um, raised truck monster energy drink vibe that is not unlike uh, Lake Elsinore in that regard, um, kind of has the same sort of flavor. And so we knew like black cats would like, they would like really do well. Um, we knew we want to do the blue collar. So it's like, all right, well, like, let's do something a little bit different than the royal blue they had before. So now you have black and you have light blue that's powder blue. And then um, the orange allowed us this like sort of energy electric pop that, you know, made it cool. And then the graphite was, I think this is the first time that we used metallic graphite mm. for, um, for a team identity. You, know, you used silver, but then you start looking through and there's always that, the new era swatch, there's always like that one thread that like, yeah, man, I wonder if we could use metallic blue or metallic red at some point. Right. And graphite really came into, you know, sort of play. It's like, wow. So that was an opportunity to sort of give it a little bit of mood, um, but also pay pay homage to the, you know, the chrome and the, the car culture and that sort of thing. Sure. So I want to, I want to talk about the, the character himself here. Yeah. People, you know, we we've had this conversation before. You and I have talked about the the characters swinging things that that are relevant to the the, the brand itself. People associate it with Brandios, but every designer does this. Every designer has you know a, a a mascot or a character swinging something, right? So it's a it's common in in baseball branding. I'm curious to know from you because it's something you know you've done in some of your other brands as well. When you are illustrating a character swinging. How do you model that? Do you like, do you like, does, <laughs> does Casey stand there with a bat and, and a mirror? Are you guys, you know, how to, what, what are you doing when you're, when you're illustrating uh, what someone's swinging a bat like this? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a question for Casey. I don't think we like really, we don't, we did, when we did the diamond jacks the first year, we did do, um, we did have a buddy of ours come over and just sort of pose. And we like, I think we threw some like lighting up on them, some floodlights to get some shadows, but uh, no, we just, we just go at it. And I think, you know, the characters are such a part of, uh, or swinging characters are such a part of baseball lore. Like, I remember, you know, there was like a this sort of heyday, which is like, oh, man, the Brandios guys, doing their swinging character. And I remember, I think I threw up on, on social media, there was like, a, it was like the 50 major league swinging characters that had existed before, before we were born, right? <laughs> so it was like the Red Sox had a swinging character. It's, you know, at one point, um, the, uh, I think the Cleveland Indians at the time had, um, or 
and yesteryear had a uh, swinging character, swinging friar, you know, um, the, the brewers had a swinging character. There's just like so many swinging characters through history that it became, um, I think it, it was its own trope in a way, yeah. like the, that existed in major league baseball and yeah. sort of in the fun, like, like tongue in cheek, minor league baseball, not taking ourselves so seriously. Let's like bring that narrative into minor league baseball and sort of perpetuate it. So I didn't, you know, it wasn't like, it, you know, it's not like it was like rinse and repeat. It was like, no, this is a funny thing that exists in the last hundred years. Let's keep bringing into minor league baseball. Um, and like, you know, and then it became its own thing, I guess. <laughs> well, and I, you know, it's, I think that the sort of fun minor league baseball thing about it is to, uh, you know, to introduce the the different things that they're swinging, right? Like to have yeah, Sasquatch yeah. swinging the, the the pine tree for the emeralds, to have the Chihuahua swinging a, a bone uh, for, you know, El Paso. So, I, you know, I think that that's a definite sort of fun, you know, addition to the, to the trope in minor league baseball. Yeah, and they also have different significances and different hierarchies. So, for example, like, um, you know, here it is definitely like, like primary. It's literally like says primary logo. The character is the primary. Whereas, say, um, Eugene, uh, the swinging tree or, uh, you know, that is it's definitely a secondary or even a tertiary version. Right. So it's not a primary. Then you have elements like uh, El Paso where it's an homage to the San Diego Padres because they're a Padres affiliate. And so it's a sleeve patch because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it's role is to sort of nod to the affiliate. So there are all the different purposes yeah. and hierarchies for when they're used, why they're used. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it's the club saying, Hey, can we have our own version of the swinging whatever? Cause we think sure. it would be fun. I know that, grandiose you you and casey you'll go to the actual site and you'll be in the yeah. town you'll be there for you for a few days did you do that in san bernardino we did we did man we was it was fun went to a game um we had like a we had burritos with joe and the whole crew and <laughs> I, joe is like what i love about joe is joe is like the quintessential like he like he is the brand like he lives the brand not that he's an auto mechanic necessarily but like there's, um, you know, when you're an executive and you're running a minor league baseball club, you know, you're maybe not from that community. And Joe is from that community. And I think that he is so connected with um, what it means to be from Inland Empire that in a way that made the brand different and authentic in a way that would be different if somebody was like, oh, no, I'm not from here. You know, I just I took the job here. So that was a really, really special treat. Well, I enjoyed speaking with Joe in the previous segment here. So, it, yeah, he absolutely he represents the brand in, in in every way. How was this received? What was the J curve like? Was it, uh, hey, thank God we got you know something more interesting than that sign, or was there uh, resistance to it? I don't remember a whole lot of resistance. Candidly. Okay, I remember like, yeah, this is cool. Like, we're this is us. Um, you know, this is not like Route sixty six brand that applies to you know here to Chicago. It's like, it's the San Bernardino thing. And I think that was, you know, people were, one of the things was that everybody was into their own element. And yeah. I think I've, I've spoke about this before. In the past, you know, we have organizations and creative groups and everybody who sort of puts all their energy into like one make or break mark. You know, mm -hmm. like this is going to be our team brand, make or break, like all in, we want you to love it. And, you know, if it doesn't hit, well, then it's like finger pointing and what went wrong mm. and we got to start over and egg on the face. And 
first of all, there's more than one way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And we want fans to buy more than one cap mm -hmm. um, just to support the team, retail sales, that sort of thing. So if that's the mindset, we probably need to have, you know, a couple of different logos. Obviously, you need a home cap, you need a road cap, there's an alternate cap. So we could tell the story like at least three different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's probably smart of us to hedge our bets on three different angles and let the fans decide what quote is the primary, what's their favorite, you know, that sort of thing. Part of the, the embracing of a new brand uh, is helped by this idea that you provide variety. You know, if you have a variety of marks, then it's like, well, if I don't like this swinging wrench dude, like, but man, I sure like that. I'm a San Bernardino person. Like I want that SB logo with the, with the arrowhead, or I like the flying wrench as an, as a, as a logo, or I like the hood ornament as a logo. There's, there's something for everybody. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's what makes minor league baseball great is that it's not just 120, 160 um, logos that you can identify. It's wow. There's like, thousands of logos and which team is that and what all is that an alternate logo and what's the story behind it and that's what perpetuates this wonderful conversation that we all love about minor league baseball branding well i do have to tell you i'm i'm hosting right now uh my my daughter uh is in is in high school and i'm hosting an exchange student from poland who every morning goes in and he picks out one of my minor league caps and he wears it to school <laughs> that's and the amazing. other day he the other day he showed up wearing the Inland Empire 66ers with the with the character swinging the wrench and he wanted to know the story behind it. He's just like, what this is a cool hat. Tell me about it. And so I really enjoyed getting to share the, the whole story with with Nico, the Polish exchange student. <laughs> so so I'm curious, like, you know, here, this is a great, great sort of case. So here's Nico from Poland comes in and there's all these great American stories told through 80 millimeters of embroidery. What what have you like uh, what has been his experience with minor league baseball logos and sort of understanding American culture through the lens I told him I, I told him subscribe to the baseball by design podcast there's been 67 <laughs> stories so far of America as told through minor league baseball no he he loves it right like he comes out and you know and and you know one day it's I mean like the trash pandas right like he was just like what am I looking at here and and so you know to, to tell him about NASA and the Madison Space Flight Center and you know having you know, speaking with a NASA engineer about, you know, what would it take to get a raccoon in a trash can to outer space? So like, I mean, all of this stuff is just, you know, it's, this is the whole point of the podcast is to yeah. talk about telling the story of America through minor league baseball logos. And, and when you, when you share those stories, what does Nico, like, how does he respond? Like, how does, what is his, like, what is his response to the, you explaining these, these he, stories? He loves them, right? Because he's trying to learn about America, right? Like he's yeah. it's it's actually a great occasion to have to 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 revisit these and tell them in in such a way that a a foreign high school student like appreciates them, right? To talk about yeah. okay, there's this famous highway and there's this part of the country that the highway goes through, and it's this sort of gritty, cool place, and and you know it's the auto, you know the the. the the what you're talking about the power cars and the sort of mechanics the blue collar yeah. uh you know and to talk about like here's why this logo represents this place and you know i i think it's landing maybe he's just uh you know humoring me because i feed him but it's uh you know i i, I don't know it's uh I, it, to me it's such a great mechanism for telling the story of america so he's like he goes back to poland he's like man 
America is so weird. It's so weird. They've got hats for all these weird things. Yeah. And people wear these hats. It's yeah. amazing. I, I love, love though, like, I mean, it's very often he just goes in and picks one just based on the color, right? Like he's like, this one right, matches right, today. Or right. sometimes he just because he likes the logo and yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's, so it's, fun. I love it, that. It's an aspect of hosting an exchange student that I was not expecting to, <laughs> to have happen. So uh, listeners, if you are interested in hosting right. an exchange student uh, <laughs> to teach them about America through 80 millimeters of embroidery, Paul Caputo is your guy. <laughs> That's going to be my new promo right there. That's uh, Jason Klein endorses baseball by design. <laughs> Jason, this is always so much fun. I appreciate yeah. you uh, hopping on with me again. Great to get you back on the podcast. I know we always talk about like, where can people find you? It's always Brandios. It's Brandios everything, all the socials online. Yeah, That's where folks can find you. Can't wait to see some of the alternate brands that we have coming up. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of alternate stuff coming out in the next couple of months. I am going to be super busy writing about these on sportslogos.net. Yeah, and the great thing about all the theme night stuff is if you have Polish uh, foreign exchange students uh, that are confused by regular brands, you can really mess them up by explaining theme nights to them. That is a great challenge. I can't wait. I can't wait to tell them about all of the theme nights. <laughs> Thank right. you, Jason. My pleasure. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm very pleased to be joined once again by my very good friend, co-founder of the Baseball Palooza Road Trip, Jeremy the Fish Soul. Jeremy, hello, how are you? Oh, guys, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> Sorry, that was actually just me clapping for myself. Let me, Paul, let it's me... a pleasure to be here with you. I, It's a pleasure always when one legend gets to chat up another legend. Route 66, Route 66. is the... Is, the scene of some cultural touchstones, like the the Disney Pixar animated feature Cars. Yes. The John Steinbeck novel, The Grapes of Wrath, along with Jeremy the Fish Souls and Paul Caputo's Baseball Palooza extravaganza, minor league baseball road trip. The first ever is our adventure in 2014. Where we got to, we got to go see four minor league baseball games in four days, and I, I remember having this conversation previously on this podcast on the road trip episode about how it surprised us after the fact that people, when we, you know, when we posted about this on social media, that people were like, "Hey, why weren't we invited to that?" Like, it didn't occur to us that you know, loading up in your Prius for four days and going to Lake Elsinore and Bakersfield and. Rancho Cucamonga and then San Bernardino uh, for four minor league baseball games that like people would be like, oh, how come you didn't take us with with you? We did, We just thought we were the only two people crazy enough to do that. That's right. I, I would yeah. say like the dream started there. I have many thoughts on this because we're this is crazy, Paul. We're approaching the 10 year anniversary. And That's I know wild. you've thought about this. Of course. You were once featured on which popular morning news program about your hypermiling? I'm glad you asked. I was featured on both the Today Show and uh, CBS Evening News with Katie Couric at the time. So you are not sweating it when it comes to your hypermiling credentials. I am not. All you got to do is have like a gas spike and then different publications will hit me up because they've seen tips and tricks for hypermiling <laughs> from 2007 online and they will find me. Not only are 
are you a co-founder of Baseball Palooza? And did we hit San Bernardino to go to an Inland Empire 66ers game? But you live in the terminus of Route 66. You live in Santa Monica, California. If you were to start driving in Chicago, go through all the cities where Route 66 goes, and then keep driving when you hit Santa Monica, you'd be in the Pacific Ocean because that's where Route 66 ends. Yeah, you would launch off the Santa Monica Pier, I believe. Right past all the, the roller coasters and the guys selling $10 fruit cups and right into the ocean. So right. living in Santa Monica, three-tenths of a mile from the, the ocean itself, where you walk your, your large German Shepherd dogs, how much of a factor is that for you like in your life, the fact that Route 66 ends there? How much does, is that a, a, a part of Santa Monica's identity? There's a couple signs. I'll tell okay. you that there's yeah. a couple signs. And I think when you, by the time you get to like on, I believe Colorado Avenue is where it officially like ends and goes directly into the pier. There's like some awareness of it, but I think much like cars, like tried to, the movie cars, the Pixar movie you mentioned, tried to instill on us. Like there's not much like recollection or use for that anymore, but it does yeah. kind of feel as you drill, you and I drove that small stretch of it. We did. There is kind of a bit of old timiness to it that is mm -hmm. kind of kind of interesting. And man, you're just giving me an idea. <laughs> what about the, what about the Route 66 baseball palooza? The Route how many 66... minor league teams could you do as an offshoot of you know how close could you get? Like I am, I am going to go back and look at the map. I'm going to drop it in after the fact. I'm going to go look at this and I'm going to I'm going to list the the minor league baseball teams that exist on Route 66. All right, everyone, this is Paul checking in from the future as promised, but it's not just Paul. I am here with my friend, Patrick Newt of Baseball Mapper, because who else, who is better to talk about making a baseball road trip out of Route 66 than Patrick Newt of BaseballMapper.com, the definitive internet resource for mapping your baseball road trips. Patrick, how are you? Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, buddy. I am just your guy with a map. This is uh, this was an amazing project to 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 map this out and see which teams fall along historic Route 66. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you the reins here because there's a bunch of them, Patrick. Let's let's hear it. What what would a Route 66 baseball palooza look like? First of all, Paul, this would be an amazing trip. I'm looking at a solid 18 teams covering nine different <laughs> leagues amazing. on this trip. Now, don't you know? Is there going to be some Major League Baseball? Of course, yeah, of we've course. got to get the two Chicago teams, which of is course. right about at the starting point, yeah. just miles away from the the beginning point of Route 66. You get okay. both the Cubs and the Sox, but there's a little a little team called the Northern League. is one of the collegiate summer leagues that there's actually the Chicago American Giants play in that league. You know, a little summer college ball before we okay. leave the city. The American Giants, that name sounds like it comes from the Negro Leagues. Is that like a tribute team to a to a Negro Leagues team? Not just the the name, but the logo is identical from the Negro Leagues. It's a nice way to honor the uh, Negro Leagues. Okay, so we're not even out of Chicago yet, and we've got three games already. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. On our way out, we could stop in Joliet, which I know you've also done a show on in the past, too, with the Slammers. The Slammers, a great Dan Simon logo. Love that one, absolutely. As we're making our way through Illinois, I mean, this is actually where the bulk of the teams are. Mm -hmm. In a different league, you've got the normal Corn Belters, one of our prospect league teams. And it's not the last one we're going to see. You could also stop in Springfield. Only a couple hours away out of Chicago, you stop in Springfield to catch 
the newly rebranded Lucky Horseshoes. This is this is one of two Springfields on the route here, by the way, uh, that that has a baseball team. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a tease, Paul, but yeah, absolutely. There are <laughs> two Springfields on this trip. <laughs> I'm not. So, I'm not. All right. So spoiler alert. <laughs> there are six teams in Illinois, and that is, like I said, the most. But then you make your way to Missouri. You could yeah. catch a Cardinals game there. Okay. But there is another Frontier League team, the Great the Gateway Grizzlies is also just outside of St. Louis is on our on our stop on Route 66 too. And the Gateway Grizzlies, that's uh the, the gateway to the west, I guess. So now we're now we're heading to the west on Route 66. Absolutely. And then of course the Springfield Cardinals, so we're in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Okay. Um second Springfield as promised. All right. And uh you know, that is also the first actual double A team that we come across in the mm-hmm. Texas League. All right. All right. Well, we're not even done in Missouri yet, are we? One last team is the Joplin Outlaws. Joplin, Missouri. And that is a really small team. That's that's the 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 Mink Collegiate League. Mink stands for Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas Collegiate League. It just goes to show the whole point of baseball mappers, you can find these little teams you didn't realize were there. That's what makes baseball mappers so great. It's why I use it every year when I plan the baseball Palooza road trip. You're not you're not wrong about that. But we'll make our way into Oklahoma, okay. where you get a couple of really big, I would say, you know, these are two teams you want to hit in minor league baseball. The Tulsa Drillers in downtown yeah. Tulsa. That's a good one. Well, I have been fortunate enough to catch a game uh, uh, in Tulsa. That was a great stop. I'd recommend it for anyone next time you come out or like I mentioned on our Route 66 trip. We'll hit that one up. And then after that, make your way to the Oklahoma City Dodgers, which is now getting us into AAA ball. Beautiful ballpark in Bricktown and Oklahoma City. So we saw it at Baseball Palooza, stayed in a hotel out in the left field. There's nothing like waking up and looking out your hotel room into like into a minor league baseball field. It was what an uplifting way to start my day. I got to do that sometime. I cannot wait to stay at a, a ballpark hotel. That's on the list. Um, but we leave Oklahoma and we make our one stop in Texas in Amarillo to catch the Sod Poodles, which that's a great brand too. Absolutely. So you, you're just on that little tippy top part of Texas before you make your way into New Mexico to get another league in okay. Santa Fe, the Pecos yep. League, the Santa Fe Fuego. So uh, we have to we have to asterisk this one here because this was the original Route 66. Uh, until 1937, and so the the current Route 66 does not go through Santa Fe anymore, but the historic original Route 66 does or did, and so I think we have to uh, I think we have to to hit the Santa Fe Fuego, if for no other reason than that awesome name, and for authenticity, like you said, we want to keep things authentic on this road trip. Heck yeah! And this is our shot at getting the Pecos League, so might as well get it there on the way to Albuquerque. To stop Indeed. at the isotopes. What a classic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good one. So Albuquerque Isotopes, uh, yet another minor league baseball franchise along the way. Yeah. One of my As favorite the, ballparks, by the way. I love that ballpark in Albuquerque. It looks so great. I know you've been there. That's a good one. One day we'll go there. We'll pick that up as well. And then I guess we have a lot of driving to do through Arizona. Yeah. That, that is the one state on our trip that does not have a team on Route 66. 
it's uh it's a little disappointing but if you've driven that stretch of route 66 in arizona you would uh there's nowhere really to put a baseball team so we will we'll hit arizona for for other baseball reasons fair enough yeah i can hold you to it <laughs> and then we make our way into california to finish up this trip which gives us three teams it's where you get your fourth and final major league team right with yeah, the la uh -huh. dodgers uh-huh uh -huh. um so if you think about that on route 66 you get four major league teams that's pretty, pretty amazing good. That is pretty good. Including two at the very beginning and one at the very end, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't beat it. It's a great way to round up the trip. Yeah. You also take in the Rancho Cucamonga Quake. Indeed. Nice and, ballpark. Of course, the Inland Empire 66ers. The Inland Empire 66ers, out of the 18 teams that you named on Route 66, the only one with a Route 66 themed identity. And that is a brand that just doesn't miss either. So <laughs> really good. what a great brand. I can't wait to hear more about it on this very podcast. Patrick, this is why the Baseball Mapper website, baseballmapper.com, is such an invaluable resource. Thank you to you and to Corey. We're going to get back to Jeremy now, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Sounds good. All right, we're back. That's some list of minor league baseball teams. I don't know because I haven't done it yet. We're st this is still real time. Future Paul has not delivered this message to us yet. So when you and I went to this game, they had just switched from their their logo that was basically like a highway sign to the logo that they're using now that has you know their their character swinging a wrench like a baseball bat. When we went to the Inland Empire 66ers game, they had cheerleaders there. And we thought we were being clever and we got a couple of the cheerleaders to go on camera for our blog, bloggers to be named later, and say for us, bloggers to be named later is our favorite sports blog. I'm, I'm going to drop that audio in here right now. Bloggers to be named later is our favorite sports blog. I had never seen cheerleaders at a baseball game, I don't think. Have you seen cheerleaders at a baseball game before or since? Okay. Not in the States, for sure. Yeah. Um, it, I believe, I remember us being really confused when it happened, yeah. not just because we had never seen it, but it seems a peculiar thing to layer atop baseball. But then you think of the other sports and it's like, well, A, why not? And B, where did cheerleaders come from? It's like very <laughs> interesting. It's like, hey, you're not rooting hard enough. Here are these people. What was your recollection of the cheerleaders at the baseball game? Well, here's the thing. As a as a baseball snob, I had always said to people like, ah, you know, the, the you can tell baseball's the best sport because the other sports all need cheerleaders to distract them. And then so then we're at a baseball game and there's cheerleaders. And I was just like, oh, well, I don't know. That's kind of fun, I guess. Since we have been to that game, the 66ers have introduced a new alternate identity, part of the food frenzy. Uh, in minor league baseball, and they have a as a as a as a Californian, as a resident Californian, you may appreciate this. They have a an identity based on the California burrito. Is the California I love burrito? This I did not know this. Oh, I love a... it. I love burritos so much. There was a time in I think 2017 where I ate burritos. I think at seven consecutive meals, and I texted a friend asking if you can die doing that. <laughs> But I can't. I will. I can't wait to see this logo. This is fantastic. It's news. a great logo, and and there's potatoes in it, right? Like there's French fries in a California burrito. Is that is that what I understand? Look, I don't prefer that. Like oh. I I I I know that's a thing. I don't. i don't think you you probably have this thought about cheesesteak. Like I don't think you need to like stuff every single thing in it. 
kind of like the modern day Bloody Mary has got like, you know, there's like a, a shrimp, eight slices of bacon, a forklift. Like, I don't know what else they put in these things, but uh, I, I kind of like my, my burritos simple, but I think it's, I think it's great. This is a little bit uh, of a comparison that you could be making to the Inland Empire 66ers brand because they've got like nine logos, right? Like they've got a hood ornament and they've got an engine and they've got the wrench by itself. And then they've got a guy swinging a wrench and then, and then they've got all these different text marks and whatnot. So it's like the Inland Empire 66ers brand is a little bit like your description of the modern day Bloody Mary. I think Sam. Yeah. What about yeah. the guy swinging the wrench? Um, where does that rank on like things that are replacements for bats in logos for you? You know, Jason Klein of Brandios, we talked a little bit about the Brandios's thing swinging a thing logos. And, I, you know, the, the ones that I always call out uh, as my favorites of that oeuvre are the the Eugene Emeralds have the Sasquatch swinging an uprooted pine tree uh, in the forests of, of Oregon. And the El Paso Chihuahuas have a uh, Chihuahua swinging a, an oversized, uh, a humorously oversized dog bone like a baseball bat. So those are kind of my favorites of the things swinging a thing over a, out of Brandios. Uh, and Excellent. this one, this one of course is right there with it. We have baseball Palooza coming up uh, fairly soon. Some more Brandios designed logos on that trip, including the running Mountie of the Vancouver Canadians, our first ever Canadian game, our first ever international game in baseball Palooza. It's going to be great. It's going to be epic. And nine years into baseball Palooza, this thing that we built back to the West coast. Finally, finally. I can't tell you how excited I am for this one. Um, this is a region also of the country. I've like, I, I, I have, I don't think I've ever been to Washington before. Hmm. Um, you know, I've actually been to Vancouver, the Canadian Vancouver before, but I, I don't think I've ever been. I've never been to Seattle. Like this is going to be just a blast for me. And man, first international team, only international team. So excited. <laughs> Okay, quick trivia question for you here before we get to uh, Dan Simon's Studio Simon Stumpers. Ooh. Baseball Palooza has been to three of the four time zones in the contiguous United States. I'll give you a hint. It's been to the Eastern time zone, the Central time zone, and the Pacific time zone. Trivia question, what is the last time zone that Baseball Palooza has not been to? Well, I'm not sure if San Juan is in the Atlantic time zone or not. I'd love to go there eventually, but I know you're trying to trap me by trying to admit that there is a mountain time zone, but there is no mountain time zone. It doesn't exist. Okay, you're correct. You got the answer correct. I thought I had you there for a moment. Jeremy Soule, co-founder of Baseball Palooza, longtime friend. One of these days we're going to get on here and we're going to talk about the trip that we took in the year 2000, leaving Atlantic City at one in the morning to get to a game in Phoenix 40 hours later. That was an amazing trip. We'll talk about a classic, that. Classic, a classic. Yes, Such we should. A, what a moment that was for us. And then, you know, to, to have that trip land us at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and in Vegas, both first for me at the time. So amazing. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for once again, for joining me again on Baseball Palooza. I'm sure we'll talk again. Maybe we'll do some live recordings from our Pacific Northwest Baseball Palooza la later this summer. Paul, I love it. Love the pod. I cannot wait to see you again in person soon, my friend. Holy crap. Thank you, Jeremy.
It is time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers. This has become rapidly become one of my favorite segments on the podcast because I first of all I get to hang out with Dan Simon every week. We're talking about the Inland Umpire. The Inland Umpire would be a good name for a baseball team. We're talking about the Inland Empire 66ers. And uh, Dan Simon is here with another of his Studio Simon Stumpers to try to stump me with a trivia question. Dan generously makes these uh, multiple choice to give me at least a, a fighter's chance. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do on, in with today's Stumpers. So let's jump right into it. All right, we're jumping hey, in. The three names used by the current incarnation of the minor league baseball team in San Bernardino um, were the San Bernardino Spirit from 1993 to 1995, the San Bernardino Stampede from 1996 to 2002, and of course, the Inland Empire 66ers of San Bernardino from 2003 to the present. But professional baseball in San Bernardino actually goes all the way back to 1913, and various teams there have played under six different names in addition to the three used by the current team. So our stumper this episode asks, which of these was not one of those previous six names? Was it A, the San Bernardino Arrowheads? Was it B, the San Bernardino Valencias? Or was it C, the San Bernardino Kittens? Now, again, the question is, which of these was not used, which means two of them were used? The San Bernardino Arrowheads, the San Bernardino Valencias, or the San Bernardino Kittens. Man, this this is genuinely a stumper right here. Kittens seems like the obvious choice for one that they would not have used. So I'm gonna I'm gonna discount kittens because I'm just gonna say like there was like a 1902 team or something that used kittens, something like that, which leaves me with arrowheads and Valencia's, my immediate reaction is to go to Arrowheads because I associate it with, uh, you know, the stadium where a certain football team plays. Valencia's, I like. I'm going to, all right, Dan, I'm going to go Arrowheads as as the name that the team in San Bernardino has not used. Paul, I am am quite amazed because (laughs) um, your your thinking is... is and has been spot on. I know there was you, you missed the or the initial um, studio Simon Stumper question. Yeah, say, I was there for but, it. Um, but you're not only getting you not only got this right, but your reasoning is great. The first thing you mentioned about the kittens, um, perhaps being the name of a, uh, a, a, I think you said a 1902, 1903 team. Yeah. Check this out. That was the first. Team Kittens were was indeed the name of a team, the first team ever in San Bernardino back in 1913. <laughs> um, and they disbanded after just one season. Now, when I when I learned of this name, I my first thought was why kittens? And I was figuring I'm not gonna be able to I I I did some research and at first I couldn't find anything. There, there's not a lot of books written on um the the origin of names of um, uh, minor league baseball teams in San Bernardino. So, um, but here's what I did find. Um, there was a former professional major league baseball player who 
His Major League Baseball career amounted to three games for the Louisville Colonels in 1899. Um, a lot of people don't know my home, not hometown. I wasn't born here, but I've, I've lived here for the past 20 years. Louisville, Kentucky um, was an original member of, uh, an, of Major League Baseball. Matter of fact, the meeting that in which the from which Major League Baseball, what is now today Major League Baseball, where that was born, took place here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and so we had a team here, the Louisville Colonels. He played for that team, like I said, for three games in, in 1899. Um, and that was his Major League career. But he played in the minors through 1915, including that 1913 season with the Kittens. Um, his name was Norman Hitty Brashear. So if you're telling me that <laughs> his nickname was Kitty um, and it's a coincidence that he played for the Kittens, I'm thinking there's some connection there. Either he was named Kitty because he once played for the Kittens right. or there, there were examples of teams um, that were named after their, their usually their manager. Um, uh, an example of this is... Um, the before the Brooklyn Dodgers were the Brooklyn Dodgers, they were simply known as the Brooklyn Baseball Club, but they had several nicknames, including the, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, because the media named them that, the newspaper writers who would write about their games named them that because uh, a handful of, of their players had gotten married that year. They were also known as the Brooklyn Robins, which was short for Wilbert Robinson, their manager at the time. And also the Cleveland Naps um, were named after Napoleon Lajouet. Their, I believe he was their player manager. He's a Hall of, Fa Hall of Famer. So for a team to be named after a player or a manager, did it, it, who knows? Maybe, maybe the kittens were named after Norman Kitty Brashear. I have to add to that, Dan, from my own alma mater, the Richmond Spiders. The Richmond Spiders name comes from a, a pitcher back in like the late 1800s who he, he was a tall, lanky pick, pitcher whose name was Puss Ellison. That was his name. And so he was uh, he was tall and lanky and had these long limbs. And he confused batters so much that uh, a writer for the Richmond Times Dispatch, which goes back way, 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 way back, said he looked like a spider. And uh, that's where the Richmond Spiders got their name. And I always thought as a student at the University of Richmond that if your mascot was going to be named for a guy whose name was Puss Ellison, that Spiders was probably the best you could hope for. <laughs> okay. That's, see, there are, there are always, it, it's interesting how these kind of things just come out in conversation. This is, we're talking about the Inland Empire um, 66ers, and here we are talking about Kitty Brashear and Puss Ellison. So, um, um, so anyway, let's get back to um, the, your great reasoning here. Um, the Valencias was also a name used by the team, but that did not come from San Bernardino. The that came from the Anaheim Valencias, who moved to San Bernardino at midseason in 1948 and played the rest of that season as the San Bernardino Valencias. Um, but then re the team was then renamed the next year um, the San Bernardino Pioneers, which another name used by the team. So that's where that came from. But Arrowheads would have made perfect sense because 
there is a huge arrowhead-shaped landmark on the side of a mountain um, that, that, when I say huge, that, that landmark is 1,375 feet by 449 feet, and it's visible from much of the San Bernardino Valley. Um, it is, and it's a cultural icon there. Um, everyone there knows about that arrowhead. So that would have made a lot of sense for the name of the team, but wasn't used because um, I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> well, both of those last two answers felt like they could have been right and could have been wrong. It ended up being a coin flip after I uh, eliminated kittens. That was a little, a little bit of luck on my part. Once again, though, shows why this is America's third favorite podcast segment. Dan, thank you for joining again. This is so much fun. I'm enjoying this segment a ton. And we will see you next time on Studio Simon Stumpers. Okay, as always, I'm looking forward to it. Hope you have a great rest of your week.